0: accustomed to hearing. That is what we are bound to. And when we say something different, we sound like we are crazy nuts. But that's okay, because the Bible says that what salvation for one is craziness to another person. But we are not here to hear what the world is hearing. We're here to say, look, there's a different way. That's why God's kingdom is coming to this earth. That's why we're here, to show a different light, to show that there's a different way, a way of peace, a way of order, a way of joy, a way that will bring God's in a home that will bring a family to what it's supposed to be to enjoy it and not the crazy stress and the chaos that we're living of the next ipad the next phone the next for our children who when they're one-year-old don't even know what that is just because they know how to press an ipad doesn't mean that they need it but that's that's the the laws of this world that's what has been conf- what we have been listening to before christ And before Christ, he was also, before Christ died and was resurrected, he was also living the laws of this land. He was also living the laws of the Jews. He was also doing what the the religious times had told him to do. And that's okay because the Bible says he came to fulfill the law. And he also says he came to give us freedom from the law because he fulfilled it all. And that we see the difference when it says that before that Christ resurrected, before he became the, the, the son of God, he was just the son of man. He was seen as just a prophet that came. He was just came, coming to, to speak the word of God into this earth. But after he resurrected, the Bible says that he became the son of God with power he was no longer bound to the, the what the men were saying, he was no longer bound to just being a human. Now he is the son of God, he is resurrected, he is with power, he is seated on the right hand of the living God. He is no longer bound to the law because he really fulfilled the law, thus giving him the right and the authority to be the, man, the the king, the son of God that he is. So before he resurrected, he was bound to the law being the son of man. After he resurrected, he was free to be the son of God. Before he resurrected, he was just the king of the Jews, the one that came to, to give liberty, they thought to the Jews. And when I came to, to free them to, from suppression, but after he died and he rose again, he was resurrected. He became the King of Kings. Now he has authority. Now he has power, not over just the Jews, but over every living thing and over all this universe. He is the King of Kings. Before he was resurrected, he was just the Lamb of God, the one that was coming to give himself as a sacrifice, to be slain for our sins and the sins of this world. But after, Three days in the grave he rose again. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the one that is roaring with authority, and he is the one that has taken dominion. So we see that once we are bound with the law, we are restricted. But once we are resurrected in baptism through his power, we come out different, free, but not just free to do whatever we want. Free to do what we were called to do in the beginning be those women of God that God asked us to be and that God made us to be in the beginning in in the Garden of Eden, where he placed us with all of his image, where he placed us with full authority, where he placed us with a calling and a role and an anointing to do something on this earth. We are no longer bound to do what this world has told us that we have to do in order to be quote unquote successful. That's no longer us. That is no longer our mentality, nor is it our mindset. We are women of God dressed in resurrection through him, and now we are free to do the will of God in our lives and to show the world what a true woman is, not the fake things that this world has said that we are. So the first role that we see is that when we are abandoned as a young child, we're we're no longer... Our fathers leave, our boyfriends leave, our friends leave. Everybody seems to be leaving us, and we feel abandoned. They told us, you know, you're not going to make it. Don't trust anybody. You're abandoned. You're not going to do anything. But after Christ, when we're resurrected, we are now called his prized possession, something that he treasures. It says in James 1.18 that we are his prized possession. He is going to hold us dear. Nothing, the Bible says, will take us out of his hand. Of his own will, he brought us forth from the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of the creatures next verse what's the next verse saying so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath that's not the verse in the new living translation it says that we are now his prized possession i might have that verse wrong i'll look for it later so before we were abandoned we were like trying to hold on to something trying to make something of ourselves and trying to hold on to relationships trying to make things last trying to Trying to, as the world tells us to do, if you if you do this like this, if you treat a man like that, if you if you you know make more money, then people will want to be with you. And we felt abandoned. But in Christ, we have a new name. In Christ, we are a new creation. We are the prized possession of our Lord and Savior, and no one is gonna take us out of his hand, the Bible says. Before we were in Christ, before we were resurrected through baptism, we were bitter people. We were not understanding after we were abandoned. We don't get it, we don't trust anybody, we don't want to be nice to anybody, we're just hurt, we're bitter people. But after, hmm, 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says that we are a sweet savor, have the fragrance and the aroma of Christ. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing. We're no longer bitter, we're no longer upset, we're no longer you know, needing Botox because our, our foreheads are like, you know, with all the wrinkles. We don't need that anymore because now we have a sweet fragrance. We have the fragrance of Christ. We have Christ living in us. It doesn't matter what anybody has said. It doesn't matter if father or mother abandoned you. It doesn't matter if your husband left you, if your boyfriend left you, if your friends have left you. You have a God and a savior that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. When your father and mother leave you, I will take you up. We have the one that is holding on to us, that's gonna, never gonna let us go, that's gonna make a way when there is no way, that's gonna keep us in the palm of his hand. And now, because we know that, we are no longer bitter. But we have the fragrance of Christ. We can now be a, a, a healing and a comfort to those who need and feel bitter and abandoned. Before we were victims telling us that we couldn't do anything, that we're not going to amount into anything because you were hurt, you were abused, you were let go because you're no longer good, because you deserve what you have, because you're a bad person, and we felt like victims. But after Christ, Romans 8.37, I am more than a conqueror. God has given me his power, he has given me his strength, and I no longer just exist. I am more than a conqueror, than a conqueror through him who gave me strength, through him who loves me. Before we unstable, not, trying to, not knowing what decision to make, what are you going to do when you grow up? Well, when I was two, I wanted, when I was four or five, I wanted to be a teacher. When I was six or seven, I wanted to be a doctor. When I was ten, I wanted, and we never know how to make a decision. What do you want to eat? Well, I think I want to eat pizza, maybe I want to eat steak, maybe I want to eat a taco, I'm not sure. Today I have a job, but now I'm, I'm super happy. Tomorrow I'm upset because a person looked at me wrong, so now I'm leaving this, house, this job going to another house. Then I finally move into the place that I like, and five months later, you know what? I'm moving out of this house because the rooms are too small. Always unstable. There's nothing. You, they can't follow you. You're unstable. You're unsteady. You're going to the left or to the right. But let me tell you something. When Christ came and he put his life in us, he gave us a new name, a new life. Now we're immovable rocks. You could tell me what you want to tell me, say what you want to say. I know who I am by the power of God. I know where I'm going, and I know where I'm headed. My face is like a flint, and I'm going full blast towards it. And you can't move me from there because Christ in me, Christ in me made the difference. I am no longer bound to what I used to be. Now I am free to be the person that God has called me to be. Before, I was foolish picking the wrong. How many people know those girls that always, for some reason, end up with the wrong guy? They go from guy to guy to guy to guy, and they're all the same. They don't change. It's the drug addict to the abuser to the alcoholic to the verbal abusive guy, and and they don't get out of that. Making foolish decisions, not knowing which way is up, which way is down, and you tell them, and you tell them, and you tell them, and they don't listen for nothing. You try because they can't see something different. But when Christ came... And that resurrection came in us. He says, oh, in 1 Corinthians 2.16, now we have the mind of Christ. Now we have the wisdom of God. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely. He's going to instruct us. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. God has given us his full word, his full instruction in the Bible, in, the, in his word here. People are always constantly asking me, what should I do? Open your Bible. Read it. It's there. He just doesn't just talk to me. He doesn't just talk to the leaders. He doesn't just talk to Clarita. It's here. Read it. It's all there. The full-blown expression of God's heart, mind, soul, will, intellect, and knowledge is here. It's all here. Read it. He has given it to us for us to take advantage of. We have the full mind of Christ. We are no longer foolish. We are no longer listening to the things that they have told us in this world that we need to become or that we need to do or the things that we need to make us happy. You do not need another Ferragamo purse. You do not need an Audi. You do not need the the next Michael Kors watch, although they're super nice. You do not need... You do not need that other pair of lucky jeans. It's not gonna get you anywhere more than where you're already at. It's not gonna give you any more fulfillment. It might look nice the first day, it stretches out, you gain weight, you can never wear it again. It's over. Sorry, men, but this is how we think, okay? (laughs) It's it's not gonna do anything for you. I don't have to continue on in this foolish game of of attaining something else, of of studying another career, of getting a master's, of getting a, a, a PhD, of making it, it's foolishness. It's not going to get you anywhere. I have the mind of Christ now. Now I don't have intellect. Now I have wisdom. And you are not going to drag me back into that craziness, into that rat race. It's over. Before we were weak, we didn't know how to, how to make decisions. We didn't know if somebody told us you're ugly, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're an idiot. We believed it. And we lived it. And we didn't think that we could make anything. We didn't think that we could get ahead. We didn't think that we could stand up. We didn't think that we could become someone. We didn't think God could use us. But christ came he defined us gave us a new name gave us a new meaning and he says let the weak say i am strong because it's not my strength it's not your strength it's not your husband's strength it's not your teacher's strength it's not anybody's strength it's god's strength it's the all powerful almighty creator of the universe it's his strength his power living in us and through us we no longer have to look to see how I could look or make myself look strong, have the best comeback, be the first one to speak, be the first one to put someone down, claim my rights. I have rights. You know, I was watching one day, again, sorry, men, I was watching uh, uh, that program What Not to Wear. And for you men, don't worry about it, women know what I'm talking about. What Not to Wear, and they always put, like, a little short biography of the person before, you know, that they, and then they show you that we, what they're wearing. And I missed the first you know five minutes of it where they show the biography and I saw this lady coming around and she's there taking her clothes and you can't wear this and don't wear that and she's upset and she's getting really 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 angry and she's like I want to speak to the producer I have rights I know what I could do and I know and I'm looking I go this girl has to be from Miami has to be she has to be from Miami her attitude you know what I'm talking about it's just Miamians you know Miamians okay I go she has to be from Miami so the, thing, the show ended and then Joaquin wasn't in town so I can't get to sleep, so I saw another program, another program and then it's two o'clock in the morning, I still can't fall asleep and then the repeat of that show came on, that's how late it was. And I finally was able to see the beginning. Guess where she was from? Because we have been taught. That you cannot show weak, that you can't be little. You have to strong and say and demand. And if you speak loud and if you use the right words and if you use the right influence and if you say the F-bomb a couple of times, then you'll have respect in this man's world. And that's that's a lie because God gives strength to the weak, true strength, one that doesn't have to raise their voice, one that doesn't have to act with an attitude. His power, his authority in us is seen as soon as we walk in a room because it is not ours. It is God's through us. And before we were super, I don't know if you've heard, in, in, English, in Spanish they say a, a phrase, una cara dura. They, 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 they've gotten so accustomed to getting, you know, beat in life. And, and, and they've gotten so accustomed to being hurt and being told so many things that you just get hard. And your heart is a heart of stone. You don't cry anymore. You, nothing phases you apparently. You're just hard. And you don't want to know anything. But Christ comes and he changes you. And the Bible says that now he's giving you a heart of flesh in Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take that heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, which means a moldable heart, one that God could transform, one that God could change, one that God could, you know, take out and put in. It's no longer that, that hard heart that when he touches it, it crushes. It's stone. Why am I saying all these things? Because I want you to realize that you are no longer bound to what they have said you were. Now you are free to become who Christ has said you are. And these are all just a couple of things of what Christ has called us to be. We are no longer bound to what man has defined woman to be. We are now free to become the woman that God has called us to be. And that woman is a powerful woman. A woman that God created in the Garden of Eden to take dominion, to take authority, to rule with her her husband. The one that's called to multiply this earth and show God's glory on this earth. We were not called to show the glory of man on this earth nor were we called to show our own glory. At the end of the day, you might have career, you might have power, you might have money, you might have a huge bank account and whose glory are you showing but your own? And at the end of the day is nothing. But when we show God's glory, when we show God's power, when we show God's goodness, when we show God's grace, when we show God's mercy, God's authority, we change nations. We change the course of history for our families. We change generations. We are no longer having our children being bound to the same lives we are bound to. We are now free to let them go to what God has for them. They are free to, be the pur- they are free to do the, the purpose that God has called for them. So the first thing that we see in in what a woman is is first of all she's a woman of God she's made in the image and in the likeness of God we're no longer bound to the laws of this land we're no longer bound to the lies of this world we are now free to become the women that God has called us to be and the second thing that we are that we're gonna look at today is that women of, uh, a woman is a wife in Genesis 2 15 going back again to the beginning because that's where it all started it says and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, I'm going to take a second right there because I want you to realize what has happened in this earth is that God created man and woman, and he gave them both when he separated them a different role. And he created man to keep the garden. Now, that word keep, and we need to figure this out because if we don't know this, and we don't know what our role is. That word keep means in Hebrew is shamar, which is not just tending a garden, but it's to protect it to guard it, to watch it, to preserve it. It implies that there's an enemy and there's danger and Adam, which was man, is responsible to guard and to protect that garden. God gave Adam when he, was, when he was created, when he was put on this earth, he says, okay, this is where you're gonna be and you need to tend to this garden, you need to protect it, you need to guard it, you need to you know, look after it, make sure that nothing comes in to steal and to, and to take things away. You are the protector of this garden. And we've heard that being preached here, and we know it. We've heard the men that are not here or the ones that are here have heard it time and time again. Your wife is your garden, tend to her protect her. You were called to be that protector. You were anointed, and you have the authority. The men have the authority to be that protector, the one that looks after, the one that guards, the one that brings in, you know, the kill. He is that, 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 that person. That's what God ordained him to be. But then in verse 18, in the same verse, in the same chapter, I mean, it says, And God said... It's not good that man be alone. Let me make a helper comparable to him. And that's where we come in. That helper, that word in in Hebrew is helpmate. And the word is ezer. And that word ezer is used 20 times, only 20 times in the New Testament. I mean in the Bible, the entire Bible. And I'm not going to give you all 20 verses. I'm just going to give you a, a few of them. But that word ezer means not just to be a helper, it describes who God is it's described when you need someone to come for you desperately it means that when you're in a life and death situation you need that help if you don't have that help that lifesaver you're just not going to get it you're not going to make it you're not going to get to where you are and that's what women are called to be a helpmate someone to be just like God to this world to the man next to us to what the purpose is a helper is a person who contr- contributes to the fulfillment of a need or furtherance of an effort or a purpose. We are been, we've been looked at a lot of times as a helpmeet. Oh, I'm just a helper. Oh, I'm just a helper. You know, that, that's the, the look or the feel of the, what man has given woman or even in the church, what they have said. You're not just a helper, you are a warrior you can go out and you could fight the battles and the spiritual battle the spiritual armor and take up your sword and start slaying dragons start slaying demons you know you're just you're not just a helper well guess what you were called and ordained by god to be a helper, to be the one that helps someone fulfill a purpose and a calling. And that is not lightly because that's the same word and every single time it's used, it's the same word that is used for God Almighty to help the people in Israel. And the last time I checked, God is not just a little helper. He is the one that brings things to fruition. He is the one that makes things happen. He is the one that pushes forward. He is the one that makes a way where there's no way. That's who we are called to be, not just a little helper in the kitchen. We are called to be a lot more. Than just a little helper and that's what the world defines as a helper but that's not what god has defined as a helper it says in deuteronomy 33 7 and this he said of judah hear lord the voice of judah and bring him to his people let his hands be for sufficient for him and may you be a help against the enemies that's the same word used there Ezer. deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-six: 26 there is no god like the god of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and is an excellency on the clouds. It's the same word. It's the God that comes to help and to save. Our soul waits for the Lord, Psalm 3320 says, for he is our help and he is our shield. It says in Psalms 146, 5, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That word help, that word azar that women are called to be is not just a mere It's it's the calling of God. It's who God was. It's who God created. Like we said in the beginning, we are made in the image of God. That helper, that part of the character and the personality of God of helper, that's who women are. That's who we are. That's why we can do so many things. That's why we could multitask the way we can, that we could talk on the phone, change a diaper, cook dinner, and pick up something with our foot at the same time. That's why we could do these things. That is why you put two people, a man and a woman, in a position starting off in the beginning, in the same position, working at the floor of a company, and within six months, she's a manager, and he's still working at the floor of the company if he has not gotten demoted. Because that's who we were called to be. We are called to excel, to be excellent. That's not a bad thing, but we have a different role in this life, and what God has placed in the Garden of Eden, in the image and the almighty likeness of our God, we're just two different people, anointed, called by God to, to, do, to do two different things. And one of the things that we were called to do is to be a helper and a helpmeet, a, 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 a helper, someone that's called to help fulfill the purpose of another. And a lot of times we're thinking, well, I'm not married yet, or I'm not married, or you know, I lost my opportunity, there went that. No, let me tell you something, Mary Magdalene was not married. She was not married, and we see her in the four Gospels, and in the four Gospels does she say she was married? Anywhere. You can't find it. But she was there alongside Christ and his disciples and his followers, helping financially, helping physically, serving, doing whatever it took to make sure that Christ did what God had called him to do. And she was not married to him. But she was a woman who knew her role and her place, that God had called her for excellence to help. She did it to the T. She was a perfect helper, fulfilling, helping Christ fulfill the mission that God had placed. And then after, the one that Christ came to and says, listen, go and tell everybody I'm alive. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Peter. It wasn't Thomas. It wasn't any of the men. It was Mary because she was faithful and she was excellent in her role as a woman. God called her to go and tell everybody else, I'm still alive. And she was there in the beginning, and she was there after. After he left and resurrected, he was in, she was in the upper room, and she was faithful because she was going to ensure that the calling that God had on her life to help fulfill the mission that Christ had on this earth was fulfilled, and she did it with excellence, and she wasn't married. So women who are single don't have an excuse of saying, well, I'm not married, I don't have to be, I'm, I'm not that yet. Don't be a lady in waiting. I, you know, for years we heard lady in waiting, lady in waiting, lady in waiting, lady in waiting. And yes, it's good. You need to be a lady in waiting and that's a great book and that's wonderful. But we've turned that lady into waiting into a lady that's sitting and doing nothing. Well, we have time and you're single to go out and fulfill the purposes of God. And, and what is God calling you to do in the church? What is God calling you to do in ministry? What is God calling you to do? If you're a part of this church, what are you doing? What is your role here to make sure that what God has called this church, this pastor, this vision to do is being fulfilled? You don't have to be married to fulfill God's calling upon your life as a woman and as you're doing what you're doing god's gonna bring someone praise the lord you better go under what his mission is and find out what it is because you were called to help him get there so if you're with a man that just because he calls himself a christian he has no idea where you're going or what he's going to do in life let me tell you something you're going to be wandering around for a very long time not knowing what's up or what's down that's why it's so important to find out that the man you're going to marry knows where he's headed knows what he's doing because you're going to come under his mission sub under mission What's his mission? Then you're going to help him fulfill. Because if he has no idea, don't go near him. He's going to have you wandering for years. You'll be in one church to another church, from one ministry to another ministry, from one pastor to another pastor, fulfilling nothing. We are called to be perfect helpers. We are called to be the ones that help push, that strive to get that man, that ministry, that church, that vision forward to where God wants it to go. And anything less... Any, any career opportunity, any, any vacation, any clothes is second to what God wants to do. Because God is an amazing God with amazing plans. The Bible says that his future for us is full of hope and of goodness. And God's not going to pull you just to sit down in a desk job because that's what, you, you know, the world says that you need to do. Don't get me wrong because I know a lot of people are going to leave here and say, okay, women can't work. And the, you know, the pastor says that women can't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you were put on this earth for so much more than what this world is telling you that you were made for. You were not made just to sit as a CEO of a company. And if we go back to Proverbs 31 woman, we see that she did a lot of things. She wasn't at home, you know, twiddling her thumbs. You know, she was a woman, but her first role that she knew about, she was a woman of God that was a wife and she was a mother. Everything else came second to that. And how do we know that? Because at the end of Proverbs, it says that her Her husband rises and calls her blessed, and so does her children call call her blessed. And that's not what I heard somebody do one day, that she sat down in a rocking chair and had her children come up. When she woke up in the morning, she told her husband, tell the children to come up here now and call me blessed. That's not it. Her children, her testimony to her children, her testimony to her husband is that they rise up in the city gates, and they say, man, She's an amazing woman because that's her testimony. That's who she was. It's not who she wants to call to be. It's who she is. She's not desiring it. She's not looking for it. She knows who she is. It's who she, it's, it's her testimony. It's what the fruit of her life has been. The Bible says that in, in the gates, in Proverbs, it says in the gates, the men rise up and they respect her husband. Why? Because she pushed them to go there. She was behind the scenes getting them there and saying, okay, what is it that we need to do? What is it that we need to go? What do, do we have to do? And if we look in Proverbs, the last verse in Proverbs 31, because a lot of people say, okay, and the woman what? The woman gets nothing? I get the short and the stick? No. Mm. It says, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her at the gates. Everybody is going to know what you have done, not because you have said it, not because you go around flaunting it, but because your works alone are going to praise you. You cannot hide a woman of God. You cannot hide the works of a woman of God. You cannot hide the fruit in the life of a woman of God. It's gonna speak volumes. And isn't, it's not just gonna speak volumes, it's gonna last for generations after generation after generation. Because everyone will know what a woman of God looks like because you have lived it. And it's not, not gonna say, who was the CEO of the company back when, no. They're gonna say, look, my mom, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my great-grandmother once said, my grandmother once said, and they're going to know from the fruit of your labor. A woman is called to help, to take a, 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 a man, to take a ministry to fulfill the calling that God has upon, upon the life. The, the third thing that we're going to discuss today, that we're going to talk about today, is that women are called to be a mom. We see in, the, in, in Genesis again, in verse 3, in chapter 3. Verse 20, and Adam called his wife, his wife's name Eve because she was a mother of the living. It is in our DNA. It is in our nature. It is who we are to be fruitful and to multiply. You can't hide that. And I know a lot of women are barren. They can't have children who have not been able to have children. But it is in our DNA to bear some type of fruit, to bear some type of children. That's where spiritual moms come in. And they're always caring and nurturing, for, nurturing and, and caring for children. But women... Nowadays, like I said before, they've been put in a place where, you know, our mom's not needed at home, or don't worry about it, I'm going to, you know, the man's going to stay home and, and be the dad, you know, stay-at-home dad, and, and that's like the new thing now, but you can't replace a mom in the home, and that's not what God called you to do, and the influence that a mom has over a child will outlast any job, any career opportunity, any car, and if you don't believe me, there is a man who, when he was little, had his mom had a, a, an affair or Met someone and he had they had a baby. He left her. She married somebody else. But this woman would always teach her the things that her the, the baby's father would always want to know, like the, the the things that she liked about the father, the philosophies, the books that he read, that he, the books that he wrote, his way of thinking, his way of being. Even if when she was with another man who was taking care of her son that she married that he took, her to, took him to another place for a better opportunity and a better life, she got upset because it was contrary to the philosophy of the baby's father. She took him away from that, and she kept instilling in him, this is what your father said, these are the writings of your father, this is how your father thinks, this is what you're going to do, this is how you're going to be, this is how you're going to behave, this is what you're going to change, this is how you're going to do something different. And that man, when he was 16 years old, his father passed away, and he went to the grave of his father, and he says, I'm going to finish what you started. And that philosophy of that man is living today in President Obama. One woman, one woman influenced her son who saw a man for three hours one day, influenced to him a place that his thinking is completely what his father that he met for three hours was. And he promised I'm gonna fulfill what you started. And the man that took care of him, the man that raised him, the man that gave him a life that he didn't have before, We don't hear about him. You don't know him. You don't know his philosophies. Because a woman was able to influence a child in that way. That is the power and influence that women have. That is the power and influence that a mother has over a child. Making true the statement that the hand that rocks a cradle rules the world. You can change the world by the way that you rear your child. You change the world by the way you influence your child. The Bible said, we read earlier, that God, that the, the, the... the curse on the, on, on the serpent was that he was going to put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of woman forever. And we're like, what are you talking about? What is that? That doesn't make sense to me. Let's go real quick. I lost my note here. In 1 Timothy 2.15. 1 Timothy 2.15, it says, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with all self-control. How does one, tie, one thing tie to the other? How, how is this, you know, putting enmity between seed and, and the, bruise the head? I don't get it. And then it says in Malachi 2.15, But he did not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit. And why one? Because he seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and none dealt deal tre- treacherously with the wife of your youth. The children that you have are the ones that are going to, like I said, save this world. You're going to be saved. This world is going to be different because of the children that we have. And we have been taught now, or we've been uh, fed this lie, or, or this philosophy, is you can't have children, or only have one, or... Don't have more than two children, or this world is too corrupt. Don't have any more kids, or are you crazy? The financial burden is, is too much, and, and what are you going to give him? And he's not going to have the things of life, and don't have children. And, and, and it's like people are putting off having children older and older till they're older and older. In Spain, they're paying people to have children. They're paying people in their 30s to have children because nobody wants to have children. And if we have the mind of Christ and the understanding of Christ, we'll understand that this bruising... Of the heel and that this head that's gonna be crushed is gonna be done through our children that we're gonna teach with godliness sobriety and with love that our children are the ones that are gonna stand up in the next generation to bring God's kingdom to this earth that's why it says if it says if we continue in love in faith and in holiness with self-control the only way this world is gonna be saved that there's godly women who will rise up and will teach and train children not in the ways of this world Not in the philosophies given to them in in colleges. Not in the philosophies of humanism. But women that will rise up and say, this is the mind of Christ. This is what you were created for. This is what you're going to do with your life. You're not going to be like them. You're going to be different because you are called to be different. I tell my children all the time, you are not going to fit in. Don't try to fit in. Don't act like this. Don't try to act like them. Don't wear your hat backward. Don't do it. Why? You're not going to look right. Why? Because you're not like them. You never will be. This is not who you are. You are a child of God. You have been chosen from before. From before the foundations of the earth you were chosen. You were called to do something greater than wear your hat backwards. You were called to be a man of God, to serve his generation, and then go and serve the King of kings and Lord of lords and be an authority and rule and reign in the universe. You are not just called to be part of a world with their hat backwards. That's not who you are. But when you have women that are out in the street working, trying to make another dollar and having somebody else train their children, the philosophy of that woman is what's going to be training your child. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, we all know it. We've all seen it in baby showers. Train up a child in the way you should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. Who's teaching your child? Not just teaching and instructing. Who are they watching as an example? Who is the person in front of them day in and day out? Do you want them to be like that? Do you want that person to, to, do you want your child to model that person? There was kids that, uh, that were at a baseball game, and they're going and playing baseball and playing baseball, and they're just with their friends, and even the mom and the dad are there. And the kid comes home saying and acting the same way as those kids in baseball. And you're like, where did you get that? They're being trained up. They have an example in front of them. And that's when the parents are there teaching their children something different. We have the example of George Carrigal, who went to uh, cut his son's hair, Julian, and he went to grab David that was on the seat. He just went to grab him, and when he turned around, they were putting this mark, a line here in Julian's head. They were shaving it with the, those lines. George got so insulted and said, How dare you disrespect me without even asking me what I want on my 4-year-old's head? Everybody has it like that. I thought you'd want it. Well, he's not everybody. I'm training him to be something different. I'm training him to be an example to those 30-year-olds over there. So I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to change that kid's hair. But when you don't have a father and a mother there to say, that's not what my child is, they define it. They're the ones that are going to train. They're the ones that are going to lead by example. Women are called to be an influence. Women are called to lead by example. Women are called to teach and instruct. It says in Proverbs 29, 15, the rod of reproof gives wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. It says nothing about the father in that verse. Showing you that women have a huge influence and are responsible and have a calling to teach, to instruct, to discipline their children. This is not taking out the father's responsibility. Don't get me wrong and don't misquote me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that women have a responsibility. Women have a calling. Women are ordained. We are called to be mothers. We are called to discipline. We are called to instruct. We are t- called to train up our children and to teach them in the ways of the Lord. So when they grow up, they be an influence in this world and have the, influence, the world influence them. They're the ones that dictate what's going to happen. The world doesn't dictate what they're going to do. They have a direction. They have meaning. They have purpose. When they wake up to, and go to school, the kids in the school don't tell them, okay, do this. And they do it. No, they go like, no, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. And they walked the other way. Why? Because you have been training them from when they were born, day in and day out. As someone once said, Mom, I've heard it a thousand times. Well, hear it a thousand and one. I'm not going to stop telling you. This is who you're called to be. Molinas don't do this. Molinas are world changers. Molinas will change the world. Molinas will follow Christ. Molinas will. And there's no one out there telling my children what they're going to become. You know who's telling them? Me. You know who's telling them? Their father. And you know what they're going to do? Well, we have instructed and we have trained them and we have been examples to them to do they're not going to follow the ways of this world because we're not letting the world dictate what they do we have a responsibility in our lives in our tongues in our actions to train up our children proverbs 31 verse 26 it says when she speaks her words are wise and she gives instruction with kindness that's another influence of the part of the woman that we are we have the nurturing the caring um, i guess you could say personality side of god we're here not only to train our children, but not train them con patadas y de pelo y along de moño, you know? It's like, come here, and we pull them by the ponytail. You know, I, there was a verse that I read that says that they train their ch- children with dignity and respect. I'm like, ooh. I guess the screaming that I did in the morning was not part of that verse. <laughs> you know, the exorcist style when the kids are small that, you know, that you're like, ah, the phone rings, hello? How are you? Yes, we're doing good. Can I call you back? Thank you. Hang up. Ah, You know, that is not part of this verse. This is a goal we're headed to. I know we're not there yet, but we're going. Okay. Train with kindness, with instruction. It's not out of being mean. It's not because we want them to feel bad. It's not because we want them to, to, to feel like losers. We're instructing them with kindness, with, with love, with respect. With honor, so that when they grow up and they have people telling them, listen, that's not the way to do things, they don't rebel and say, who are you to tell me anything? No, they had someone at home teaching them, instructing They understand. Oh, okay, you're doing this for my good. A lot of times kids don't want to receive instruction. They don't want to hear it because every time somebody tells them something, they feel like losers because they're told them, you're such an idiot. You're so stupid. Don't you get it? Are you, are you crazy? Are you dumb? Wake up and smell a coffee. Are you stupid? That's all they hear all day, all day. The, uh, Pastor Leo Godzich, the one that you know, we talk about all the time, a lot of you, he was here. He says he was one day in an airport, and this poor little kid, there was a mom holding a, little, the, a baby, and this little kid, and she was running, like practically sprinting, and this little three-year-old kid with his little feet was only going as fast as he could go. And the lady turns to him and says, you stupid idiot, can't you see we're in a hurry? And Leon got this thing inside him that he couldn't. he turned to her and, go and looked at the little kid and he says, you are not stupid. You are intelligent. You're going to do great things. You are, you're you're going to be good. You're, and he started just t- talking and speaking over his life. And the lady looked at him and says, how dare you talk to my child like that? And he looked at her and says, how dare you talk to a son of God like that? And he shut up. That was it. That was the end of the conversation. We are called to talk to our children with Kindness. And with love and with understanding, to teach them and to instruct them in the ways of God. It doesn't mean like we just read the verse before, we let it go. I know that song is popular now. Let it go. Let it go. No, it's not that. We're supposed to give them reproof. We're supposed to correct them with wisdom. Because a child left to himself is going to bring you shame. So there is discipline. There is correction. There is instruction that we're supposed to give our children. But it is with kindness. We're called to this world to be women of God, to be women with purpose, to be women that reflect the character of God. From the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, we were called to do that. God says, you are made in my image and likeness. You don't have to try to be something. This is who you are. Adam and Eve came, they fell, all chaos came, but then Christ came and redeemed it all. And now we are who we are by the grace of God. And now we're returning to be restored to those women of God that God has called us to be. We are women of purpose. We are women of excellence. He has graced us. He has given us an anointing to be a helpmeet, to be that person that that pushes, that strives, that takes a a, a husband, that takes a ministry, that takes a church to where it needs to go. That's what we are called and ordained to be. It's not something to be ashamed of because God is not ashamed to help his people anytime, anywhere, any day. And it's the same calling. It's the same word that they use for God. We are helpmeets, and we are women of God. We are mothers. We are wives. This is who we're called to be. We're called to change nations, and that's how you change nations, and that's how you change this world, by letting the character of God, the righteousness of God, the truth of God, the peace of God come into our lives, the, 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 the justice of God, the reality of God being seen in us. As the musicians come up in Ezekiel 1645, the disgrace came upon the people of Israel, and it said, they're going to quote you, and this is going to be the new thing that's going to be said. You're your mother's daughter. You're loathing your husband and your children, and you are, your, are, are the sisters of your sisters who loathe their husbands and your children. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father was an Amorite. God was speaking here to the women of Israel, and they're going to say, your, your daughters are going to rise up, and they're going to say, look, that's just like her daughter. She's acting just like her mother. She hates her husband. She hates being at home with her children. She hates listening to her husband. She hates doing anything that she doesn't want to help him. She wants to do her own thing. And where it says that your mother is a Hittite and your father is an Amorite, that's speaking of the gods of the Hittites and the gods of the Amorites. And wherever you start worshiping and where you start feeding and where you start um, sacrificing yourself, that is the god that your children will sacrifice and the god that your children will worship. When you start doing the things of this world and you start following the 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 insanity of, of get more and, 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 the, and uh, the, not the traditional family anymore. Now it's a new kind of family. ABC's new slogan, a new kind of family. It's different. Don't be antiquated. It's a, you know, the 21st century. When you start following and worshiping that and giving yourself to that, that's who your children are going to become. And not only do they become that, they will be sacrificed to that altar. And your children will rise up and they won't call you blessed. They're going to hate you and they're going to loathe you. And everyone's going to look at the shame and the disgrace and they're going to say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, her, that's, that's her mother's daughter. That's who she is. Because we didn't want to rise up and take on a new mind, the character of God, the image of God. We have been fed, like we said before, so many lies. And we read all these verses of who we are now in Christ, who God has redeemed us to be, who God restored us to be, that we're no longer bound to the laws of this land. We're no longer bound to the things that men say women are. We have learned that we're different, that God has called us a new creation, that God has called us from the beginning. He's restoring all things. Just like he's restoring man to his rightful place, he's restoring the woman to his, her rightful place. And it's one of of character. It's one of of Coming and rising up to the, the calling of being a wife, one that's rising up and calling to be a mother. And who cares what this world says? Unfortunately, the Islamic people, the Muslims, know about having children. And they're having 10, 12 children. That's how they're taking over nations. And Christians only have two. The world is too bad. Only have two, because we don't understand that we're gonna be saved, our world is gonna be saved through the children that we bring up, through the children that rise up in righteousness, in truth, in honesty, and in integrity, in faithfulness, in mercy, in grace, and love. Those children are the ones that are gonna change the next generation. And if we don't stand up and raise those kids, somebody else is gonna raise them. And it's not gonna be pretty. Cause we've seen it. I for one am one that and my husband and one that will not and will not change what the direction of my children are gonna be we're gonna serve tooth hand nail and foot whatever we can we're gonna fight to let the image of God be seen in us we have been and we're not gonna stop I've always said we're not gonna change the standard because my children change what they want to do you don't want to follow it I'm sorry we're going forward and if you come or don't come that's your problem but we're going forward and we're not changing what God has said just to accommodate your fancy It's not like that. God is not going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word will stand true. The good things and the bad things. And to finish off, the great news is, in Isaiah 62, 1 through 4, it says, For Zion's sake will I hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 4. For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness therefore goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns and the Gentiles shall see that your salvation and you see your righteousness and the kings your glory and you shall be called a new name with the mouth of the Lord he shall name it thou shalt be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem a crown in the hand of your God you shall no longer be termed forsaken nor shall you be called any more desolate but you shall be called Hespetha, and you land Beulah for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married that word Hespetha is my my delight is in her and Beulah is I will be a husband I will protect and I will be over her God is not gonna stop just because this world has stopped just because people have decided to quit God is not gonna quit He has said, I will and I will not stop nor will I rest until the Gentiles, until the world sees that my delight and my truth is in this world. Until this world sees that there's a king, that there's righteousness, that there's an almighty God in heaven that is dying and died to give them a new life, a new name, a purpose fulfilled in their life, he's not going to stop. Now the decision that we have to make is are we going to rise up and say something different or are we going to continue on pushing the same laws and the same dictates and the same philosophies of this world just to accommodate the new lifestyle and the new kind of family. God hasn't changed. His laws haven't changed. His ways haven't changed. We need to go back to the place of peace, the place of the garden, the place that was once called the place of perfection. That's where God wants His people. That's where God wants His earth in a place where there is rest, in a place where there is security, a place where a man is a protector and the wife is a helpmeet That's who we are. That's the calling of God that we have in our lives. Let's stand up and sing this song. I'm not afraid made clear oh God the calling the righteous calling the heavenly calling the perfect calling oh God that you have given to us your women father God today father God as we have heard your truth Lord let it set in as reality oh God quiet the voices of the enemy quiet the voice of the liar father God for we are not what this world has defined us to be but we are your women we are your helpers father God We are the wives, we are the mothers, Father God, that you have called us to be, oh God. Give us strength, oh God, to continue forward, oh God, with the calling that you have given us, that we might set our face as a flint rock, Lord, just as Christ did, oh God, as he was headed to the cross, knowing his purpose, knowing his calling, and knowing what was coming after, oh Lord, that we might be those women, oh Lord, that will be an example to this generation, oh Lord, called to change this world, Father God, called to show something different, Father God. That we might be able to portray and show, Father, your image, your glory, your goodness, Father God. That all may want, desire, and want the fruit, Father God. That they might see the fragrance of Christ, Lord, within our homes, within our families, Lord. In our work, in our schools, oh God, wherever we may go, O oh Lord. Let your name be lifted up. Let your name be exalted. Let your image, your grace be seen through us, oh God. That all the world might know that there is a God, oh Lord, that desires to restore humanity to where it was called, where it fell from, oh God. That we might stand up, O Lord. That we might rise up, O God. That your light might shine bright in the midst of this darkness, O Lord. That we might bring peace and order back onto this earth, O Lord. That your kingdom come. Let your will be done, O God, on this earth as it is in heaven. We glorify you, Lord. We praise your name. We give you all honor, all glory, all thanks, and all praise, O God. Because it is not in our strength, but it is in yours, O God. We praise you and we give you thanks. in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God glory. Hallelujah. We'll be here on Sunday, tomorrow night as well, in Spanish, and Sunday the pastor will be back. God bless you.